Welcome to the latest episode of Schneps Connects. Our Politics MY has been covering the cannabis industry. And today we have with us Vickiana Clement, who's executive director of the Medgar Evers College Cannabis Education Task Force. As the executive director, she and her team work to introduce cannabis education on campus at Medgar Evers College starting back in 2019 with the support of then President Crew. CUNY approved 12 cannabis education degree-bearing courses since then, available to CUNY students at all 25 schools. Vickiana is also the founder of the Legacy Core Foundation, which provides free support services to help those who built the cannabis industry. Welcome, Vickiana. Great to have you on the show. Great to be here. Good morning. So we chatted a little bit before, but I'd love you to share with the audience a little bit about your background and what led you to work in the cannabis industry? So a little bit about me, let's see. Um, I am a scientist, a software engineer. I've been born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, but I'm also part of Queens and Harlem, especially since my alma mater is uh, Barnard College. Yay, Barnard. Um, (laughs) I uh, have graduate engineering certifications from New York University, but Mega Evers College has been a home away from home. Uh, I returned there uh, many years ago to do some post-baccalaureate courses as a student an older but younger feeling student, I would like to say, because I'm pushing the boundaries on um, medicine and cannabis via the um, MD-PhD programming. So while being at Megger, I got introduced to some really amazing people in the chemistry and environmental science department. My mentor, Dr. Alicia Reed, who's the chair and an amazing woman, and um, Dr. Crump, who's an amazing academician in the business department. And an all business and entrepreneurial guru. And then one of my best friends, Joel Struthers, who was also at MEC, but is now doing his um, PhD at Princeton for chemical engineering. And uh, there we really um, pushed as a student faculty and alumna initiative, this whole concept of really bringing cannabis to Megar Evers in terms of education. So I feel the cannabis industry, obviously, is, is much more embraced than it was in the past. And you formed the, the Legacy Core Foundation. So talk a little bit about what would define a legacy member. So for legacy, many there are many stereotypes, unfortunately. And one of the things that the Legacy Core Foundation is trying to really address those stereotypes and really bring to light who legacy is, who they are. Um, A lot of people may know legacy as those who are pioneers of the cannabis industry prior to any legalization in any state. Basically people who built the cannabis industry as we know it today on their backs and those who risked everything to provide people in need um, with a plant that brings them healing and clarity and peace. But I personally see them as the best and the brightest um, upcoming and current cultivators, extractors, breeders, and phenol hunters uh, worldwide that should operate on a federally and or state regulated platforms since they've been doing it all this time anyway. So do you find that a lot of them just need help with that transition? The Legacy Core Foundation was created not just overnight. We've been working for about two and a half to three years, and we basically went to the five boroughs and collected data. We spoke to different legacy 
um, constituents, and we really asked them what they needed, how they saw themselves transitioning. We had amazing, candid, um, and really deep conversations with a series of legacy operators, almost 100, which 100 is not even, I think, half of a percentage of the amount of legacy population here in New York, but we did need some data to see where we were going to kind of put together this resource for them. And the data gave us a lot of insight into not only what kind of educational trainings they would be, they would need, basically not only what they would need, but also what they would want, what they would want to see in policy, what they don't want to see. And also in addition to that, if they're open to different pipeline opportunities, how that looks. So we really got a lot of information from them. We were able to really get a lot of good insight and we put we took all those insights and we put together this foundation that has a series of different modules, training modules that addresses a lot of these needs. Um, in addition to that, we got a lot of support, we being the Legacy Core Foundation, from different community organizations that also want to help really execute this vision to their populations because one, one foundation or one organization cannot do something like this brand on its own. It needs a series of partners. So we were able to get a lot of amazing different community organizations to support us, as well as amazing different industry leaders that are also available to provide pipeline opportunities for those that are interested as well. So if I'm, if I'm hearing this right, I mean, is this really geared towards people that may have not have been as privileged and or knowledgeable of the cannabis industry and the legalization, and this is a way to educate them and transition them into something that wasn't necessarily legal to something that now is legal and give them kind of the foundation to be able to build a business? So when you say this, you mean the foundation itself, the initiative of the foundation? Yeah, the members. So the members themselves, they are, the other issue with legacy and the different stigmas out there is that people tend to put legacy into one category. And there's a series of different categories for legacy in itself. So some members are not aware of all these things, but there are some that are very, very well aware of and like what they see and some who don't like what they see. And so we were able to gather that data and be able to address some of those issues within our program and the module developments. Let's talk a little bit about the program at at CUNY, at Medgar Evers. What was the feedback initially from, from both students and faculty? Student and faculty have always been in very much support. Um, administration, our previous administration, the first one, they they were extremely supportive as well. And they gave us blanket authority really, which was really great. As we have seen three transitions now at Mega Evers College with administration, we are also hopeful that this new administration will continue to be as supportive and Uh, championing as strong as the first administration. So in regards to that, I'm very positive about the outlook. The students who I say are really the people who we are serving with these curricula are so excited that if by some low percentage chance things are not executed to their expectations, they'll make sure that everyone is aware of that. But for now, they are very excited and our classrooms have been filling up. We are starting this Friday 
one of the commercializations and next week the cultivation courses begin and our um, you can knock down really excited students no matter how much you try I say so it's great to just give them what they're asking for and I guess that's what we did so how many courses are there being offered now so at this time we are offering the environmental science cultivation course as well as the commercialization course now these courses cannot all be provided all at one time because they build one on top of the other. Like you cannot take, for example, organic chemistry two without taking introduction to chemistry. Mm -hmm. And so these courses were built in with that mindset where they're 200, 300 and 400 level courses because we really wanted to make sure that these students in these tracks are able to be very well versed in whatever track or focus that they choose. And in doing that, we made them build one on top of the other. You know, one of the best things I find about, you know, education besides learning is really a pathway to to a career. Have you found that there have been companies that that have reached out or that the students can work with for internships or opportunities for career advancement? Yes. So the task force has been working on this initiative for three years. And in doing so, it didn't only involve the curricula development. We went to industry to get their feedback on the curricula development that is approved. But in addition to that, we really spoke to them about the different entrepreneurial and experiential learning opportunities that are vital to be provided to these students, really so that they can be fully engrossed in 21st century skill sets within this industry, right? And I, I love to bring up this example. I am not very handy. I am not, I am not. And so the other day I had to change a lock on my door and I did. I really did not want to ask my husband for support. Why? I don't know. I guess because I ask him for a lot and I don't want to be that annoying type. So I said, let me go on YouTube. And I went on YouTube and I really tried to learn how to change a Mortise lock, which is the worst, I think. And I watched that YouTube twice and I still needed to ask him for help because I was like, oh, can you help? I, I saw that the guy did this, but when I apply it, it's not working out for me. And so he came and, you know, he held my hand, he walked me through it. And so that's the same, I think, pedagogy that should be really used, not only for this cannabis program, but really throughout America. And that is, it's great to receive passive information in a classroom, but you also need to be able to apply that information in another situation so that you can get that full experiential learning effort and you're able to be better prepared for the workforce development. You know, you talked about how there's been, you know, three different leaders over a short period of time. Medgar Evers has obviously been a big change in both state and city government in terms of newly elected officials. What do you see as the as the political wins for for the cannabis industry? Political wins. Well, I think that we need to continue fighting for what we want to see. Um, unfortunately, some people may not like to hear these things, but uh, people need to stay true to their base um, and what how they want to see this interest, this industry pan out. Um, it's funny that you bring up politics. We had I interviewed um, now Mayor Eric Adams, but previously I interviewed him when he was uh, Brooklyn Borough President, and I asked him about his insight on this program at MEC, and he was very excited about it. He um, thought it was a great idea, that it was a great idea, and he was really uh, championing for it as Brooklyn Borough President. So I can only expect that now that he's our mayor, that he will continue to support that initiative as well. He seems like a great cat. He's a great person. Yes, he certainly is. Talk to me about the media attention. I know that some of our media outlets, including Caribbean Life, have 
have given um, visibility to the program starting, and I'm sure anything that's new and different um, gets attention. So I'd love you to share just what type of uh, feedback and media attention you've gotten outside the campus. So I just would like to say we have gotten so much media attention and we would not have been able to get this much. I don't think so. It's my, I can be biased in this belief, but I believe that GVM really helped us immensely in really getting the word out on this program to so many different avenues, not only through magazines, but through events. They even supported us and assisted us when the task force was present at MJ Biz, really promoting the educational initiative to other areas, um, as well as the CWCB Expo. Um, and for those of you who don't know, GVM Communications is an amazing powerhouse uh, owned by Gia Marone and Alicia Brown and Tracy are amazing at what they do. And I just, I don't know if we would have been able to get this much media coverage without that team. So we've been in NJ Cannabis Insider. We were able to be in Marijuana Venture, Gondrepreneur, a series, Black Enterprise. They're working with us right now on other initiatives as well to get the word out. They, it just keeps going. We were in Forbes. They're just amazing. And, so what's um, been the biggest feedback that you've gotten from the media attention? Well, where are the other classes and how, why you guys don't have any more sections? Um, because our classes are capped. Once people find out about the classes, we have now a wait list in terms of sign up. So thank you to everyone out there that has promoted our program. And our students fill up the classrooms um, quite quickly. Our first course, we only had three days to really promote the program and News 12 assisted in that as well. And we were able to fill up 85%. Now, the only reason we weren't able to fill up the entire class the first time is because we only had three days. And regardless of how amazing a program initiative is, CUNY has rules. And these rules mean that registration closes on a certain date. Um, so now we have the commercialization course, which is filling up extremely quickly. And we're going to be opening the cultivation course tonight since it was just recently reported in the chancellor's report. And are your courses being held in person or are they? Done? No, they're online, but they're, they're not online in a robotic, hey, um, play as you learn passive kind of receptive information format. No, they're online because of the pandemic and the wave of the different uh, variants and how they've affected the classroom. Mm. Um, set up, but they're online every week with a live instructor. Our commercialization course was online every week, specific meeting time. And the first half of the class, uh, the instructor, Mike Z, was teaching. And then the second half, we had amazing different um, guest lecturers and guest speakers that were able to provide the insight from the industry to the students. So every week the topic was different because it was an intro course and we were trying to provide an umbrella of little different knowledge nuggets to our audience. Some of them are not all well-versed. One of the main objectives I have is really to try to get as many non-cannabis believers, non-cannabis uh, knowing of anything into the classroom mm -hmm. to really try to increase the percentage of people that would support this plan and this initiative on a federal level. I mean, 
that's a that's the big game plan here by debunking all these myths and stereotypes. How do you feel that education in regards to the cannabis industry will grow over the next few years in New York particularly? I think it's already growing enormously at an exponential rate. I may be a bit biased. I know this already because I'm really so pro degree bearing education for cannabis, just because there's so many certification programs throughout the state and I'm not knocking them. I think they have done a good job to support education in that way. But I believe that to really provide more structure to this industry, we really need to now formalize more of the education so that students, industry, as well as academicians could really move the frontier on this. We should be at the forefront of research, not other countries, especially since we're a hegemonic country with amazing resources at our disposition. So that is one thing that we should really keep in mind. Um, The other thing is academia and industry tend to really sometimes they have a history of operating separately. And really, if we change that kind of pedagogy where we include academia and industry moving together, I think that um, the entrepreneurship as well as the innovation would be super, super amazing for this industry as well. Are there other institutions that you've seen that picked up um, some courses in the industry? I know that SUNY Morrisville, prior to Megger, had a cultivation-based program that was degree-bearing. Outside of that, I am not too aware of full tracks. I believe, I don't want to misstate, Michigan. Michigan maybe had that whole degree program in chemical science with a touch of medicinal cannabis into it. Outside of those, I've only been inundated by a series of certification opportunities. And again, I don't have any issues with that. But you know what would be great? If these certifications offered a pathway to some form of credit so that it can be a, a, a launching pad for any of the people who really engage in this educational track. Well, certainly be interesting to see how it evolves in, the, in a lot of the institutions. So with your background and all your experience now in cannabis, can you share with us uh, maybe a fun fact or something people really don't know or understand about cannabis? There's a lot of facts that, you know, can bring people down sometimes, especially with the war on drugs. But I like to focus on the positive. And I like Shakespeare quite a lot. And it was great to find out that he smoked up quite a lot. So (laughs) next time you're reading any of his works, you should think about that. Look at that. Something I certainly didn't know. Well, Vicky, it was a pleasure having you on Schneps Connects and getting to know you and what you do better. Likewise. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Make sure to subscribe to Schneps Connects wherever you get your podcasts or stream us online at podcast.schnepsmedia.com. <laughs> <laughs>